When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. I'm drawn to curious men. I think the new man is curious and inward looking. And I think because most of my life, I've been a walking reaction and angry when I come across a man who is curious and sensitive and has the ability to uh, look inward, put that pause before saying something or responding. Um, It inspires me. And so your host today is that kind of man. I found him on the internet and I also love that he's a therapist who just shows up in, you know, t-shirt jeans. He looks like a surfer, um, just a regular guy, you know, and, uh, I can relate to that because on my therapist journey, I just showed up t-shirt jeans and I felt like I didn't fit in because of that, because I wasn't wearing wrinkle free pants or not tucking my shirt in. I felt very, um, black sheep-ish, if you will. And so that's what attracted me to Flynn Skidmore. He spends his days like he's at a summer camp running a therapy practice where he helps people understand and get what they want in relationships and in business. He creates some of the simplest, clearest, most, oh, I hadn't thought of it like that, personal development content out there. What Flynn is most proud of is the way he cares for and listens to his online community and the remarkable outcomes of his clients and their experiences with him. Flynn can be found on Instagram at Flynn Skidmore. That's F-L-Y-N-N-S-K-I-D-M-O-R-E. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Flynn, first I want to uh, thank you for being a part of uh, this collective, for hosting episodes. Um, This is great because it's the first time that uh, I've seen you uh met you i mean you know besides emails yeah i'm so happy to be here so happy to meet you i really appreciate it thank you hey you know what attracted me to you was uh seeing someone on my feed 
um, who didn't look like a therapist. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, from the outside, you just look like uh, just a cool dude, like maybe a surfer or, you know, you're just like a T-shirt, casual, long hair and speaking truth. Um, and on my journey to becoming a therapist, I felt very uh, on the outside because I looked more like you instead of, um, you know, the uh, dockers and the shirts tucked in and the very kind of, you know, <laughs> clinical. Um, and also when I was going through therapy school, most of the my, the, my colleagues were um, women in their, you know, um, midlife uh, Caucasian. And I was not only a minority, but also a dude. And so to see you on my feed was, um, was refreshing. And then I started following you and your content. And I was like, Oh, this is like, this is good stuff. He seems like a very kind of pulling from honest and truth. And, uh, and so that's why you're here. <laughs> wow, Cool. I, I'm really happy that you had that experience. I mean, I, I came across your stuff probably four or five years ago and had the same experience of you. I was, I've been thinking about that over the last couple of days. Like I, I mean, you're, you call yourself the angry therapist and right away, that's inviting people to think differently about what therapy therapist. might be yeah. or what a therapist is. So I, I really appreciate that you had a similar experience with me. I think that's really cool. When did you um, decide to become a therapist? What was that journey like? How did that start? So I was out of, out of college. I really didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. I, I had mm -hmm. been fascinated with mind body connection since I was about 18. So I started working as a personal trainer at a gym mm -hmm. um, and knew that I loved mind-body connection. And ultimately, I came across this thing called um, bioenergetic analysis, um, which mm -hmm. was created by this guy named Wilhelm Reich, who was a student of Freud's. And he kind of took uh, psychoanalysis in the direction of body work. So he was doing analysis with people's posture and movement. And he, he ended up getting arrested. I can't remember why, but because he was like sharing really crazy information um, and was looking at all this stuff with like life force energy. I think he called it Oregon. But anyway, I found his stuff and I was like, yes, this is the thing that I've been trying to speak about, to learn about. So I found this, this institution called the Bioener the Institute for Bioenergetic Analysis. I, I wanted to become certified in it. And I didn't know anything about therapy at the time. And these guys, it was like this, mm -hmm. this uh, institution on the Upper West Side in New York City. So these like classic old psychoanalysis guys. Yeah. And the, the guy who was heading it up was like, yeah, you know, in order to do it, you have to be a therapist. And in order to be a therapist, you either have to have a PhD or you have to have a master's. And the fastest right. way to do it is to get a master's. So right. I want to do this, get a master's. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. And that was that. I, that. I just followed it like that. Wow. How old were you when, when uh, that happened? I think I was 24 at the time. Oh, you were young. 24 or 25. I was young. Yeah. So you did the young. two years, got your master's, and, and this was in New York? So I was in New York city. I was, I was running this small business, this like boutique fitness studio, mm -hmm. um, went and got my master's moved to Philadelphia and then lived in Philly for like six years. Something like mm. that. And then, uh, did you do the hours and all that? Did the hours, did oh, all that uh, stuff. You mean like, wait, post so how, wait, how many hours do you have to do, uh, on the East coast? Cause in California it's 3000. It's 2000. 
think I don't even remember. I think it's 2000. Oh, that's not fair. It's, I know. <laughs> so what I did was I, uh, I became a cool school counselor. I love yep, kids. I did that too. You did that also. Yeah, okay. yeah. So same thing. Like got the right. hours in as a school counselor. The, yeah. The kid. Well, that was just one of the things I did, but yeah. Uh, the hardest hours to get are the kid hours. And so if you're a school counselor, you're just knocking those out playing, um, connect for yes. 15 year olds. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. I'm so, I didn't know that about you. That's so cool that you did that. Yeah. I did that to get hours. Um, Man, that was a long journey for me. So uh, my therapist was the person that convinced me to become a therapist. And he said, you just got to go to school, get a master's. I'm not a school person. I hate school. I got the master's. And what he forgot to tell me, uh, and maybe he didn't on purpose, was that there was 3,000 hours after that. And uh -huh. that's what took years, man. I took a year off, but mm -hmm. it still took me you know, five years or so um, mm -hmm. just trying to get those hours. And then, of course, the big exam at the end. But wow. So you did all that you, in, in Philly, huh? Did all that, did all that in Philly and then moved out to California two years ago. So oh, wow. COVID hit, uh, San Diego. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. From yeah, your yeah. videos, so there's, always, uh, there's always, there's always a sky, uh, uh, like it feels like just an ocean or the blue sky. And I'm like, yes, yeah, yes. I'm always coast. doing, I'm like walking by the ocean. <clears throat> so I'm curious for you. So you got your license and then how long into having your license did you start to really do well in content and social media and your books? Oh, all of that uh, was an accident. Um, mm -hmm. I was going through a divorce at the time. And so I was rebuilding my own life and uh, I started a Tumblr blog back in uh, like 2010, man. This is before Instagram, before social wow. media was a thing. And uh, Tumblr made blogs popular, and then people started making blogs on their own website, and I called it the Angry Therapist. And I thought it was kind of funny that a therapist was angry, and I thought, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's a way of humanizing myself. I also, in my 20s, was a very angry person because I was miserable. But um, mm -hmm. uh, that's where I started, just uh, Tumblr, man. And I, um, I started documenting my story, I mean, basically like what you're doing, but via blog format. And uh, I must have pushed out 5,000 blog posts or so. Wow. I had a lot of time on my hands, man. And um, I got a tra I got traction there. I think I got like 60,000 um, readers. And uh, from Tumblr, I just um, took a butter knife and it rippled into whatever was next. So, you know, Instagram, uh, Facebook, all of that. Uh, and then, um, and then of course I started doing videos and that, it's so much easier to pick up a, a phone and do a video yes. than to, to sit down and write a blog post. Yeah. 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 Um, but well, yeah, that's going to practice and all that. For, for someone who doesn't like school, it's really cool and interesting that you decided to write so much. I mean, 5,000 blog posts is an immense amount of writing. Yeah. I basically journaled and just hit post afterwards. So it was kind of a public, uh -huh. public journal. I wasn't doing it for anyone else, but me. Uh -huh. And, um, it's kind of what got me through my, uh, broken heart. It's, it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, in journaling and I see you doing it in your videos, um, journaling is powerful, you know, it's, uh, it's a way to process kind of by yourself. And so, um, I use Tumblr as a therapeutic tool. Mm. Wow. Cool. So there was nothing you in your life that was a catalyst to you becoming a therapist, like a big event change. Like for me, it was divorce. It was more of something that you you saw like, okay, I had a passion for mind, body, and fitness. I see this thing over here. I'm going to marry the two. 
I mean, I think there were, there were, as my interest in mind body connection was developing, I think one of the main reasons why I became really interested in mind body connection was because my dad was diagnosed with a chronic illness when I was 18, but he, he's like, he's like, he's such a loving guy and also like classic blue collar warrior energy. Like, so like tough dude and also had been sick most of my life um, and was finally diagnosed with a chronic illness when I was 18. And I was really fascinated by what was happening because it was clear to me that there was something happening with unprocessed, unhealed childhood trauma that he had experienced mm -hmm. and him being sick all the time. Um, it, that, that connection was clear to me. And as I, when I was like 18, 19, things just started to become clearer and clearer that there were parts of him that actually needed to be sick. Um, because those parts of him had learned that being sick was, was probably his best survival strategy in some ways, his best way of accessing love, safety, and belonging. So seeing things like that, putting those pieces together, I mean, I would say that that was one of the main things that catalyzed my interest in learning about this kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing that you saw that at 18. At 18, I was uh, stealing car stereos. And you were, you were connecting dots with what's going on internally with your, with your father. So. Well, I was, I was smoking a lot of weed and I had, uh, I had just gotten like a bunch of surgery, so I couldn't play sports anymore. Um, so I was smoking weed and I started doing yoga and the combination of those two things where it's just like, whoa, I'm mm -hmm. really connecting these dots. So it's not like I was setting out to do anything noble. I was just smoking a lot of weed and like passing the time. And then it just happened to. <laughs> you said uh, safety. What was the three things you said? Love, safety, and belonging. Mm. So talk about that. Um, how does love, safety, and belonging, um, how does that play in our life? That's it. I really appreciate you picking up on that and asking. So, mm -hmm. um, the way that I see it, I mean, in so many ways, love, safety, and belonging are, are just arbitrary words, but mm -hmm. the framework that I operate with is that we're always experiencing love, safety, and belonging. If we weren't, we would be dead. So mm -hmm. being alive is an indicator that there's some version of love, safety, and belonging happening. Now, I think the version of love, safety, and belonging that most people are experiencing is one that has been programmed or developed as a result of the experiences that they've had through life. So for mm -hmm. instance, if a person is growing up and it makes sense to be really anxious in the context of their relationship with their parents, like their subconscious is learning that anxiety is the appropriate version of love, safety, and belonging, mm -hmm. right? So then that person's framework for experiencing life, like anxiety might actually be their version of love, safety, belonging. And of course, consciously, they, they would likely choose something else. Right. Um, and I think so that that's, so that's if really. If they're in a relationship mm -hmm. where there isn't anxiety, then they don't feel the, the love, safety and belonging subconsciously. It, they, they, 
I mean, I, I imagine you see that all the time. Like when, when people start to get what they want, if what they want isn't familiar, then it can feel unsafe uh, sure. until it or becomes boring. familiar. Yep. Or boring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so in any given moment, we're operating with a framework of love, safety, and belonging. It's kind of like um, our, our basic needs. And what I think we get to do as we go through life is evolve our version of love, safety, and belonging so that it becomes more aligned with what we consciously want. Mm. So then we're not being run by um, what was or um, you know, the distorted version, or I don't, maybe it's not distorted, but the, uh, love, safety and belonging definition, uh, we learned while we're growing up and, you know, no adult enters, uh, or no child enters adulthood unscarred. And, you know, we all, all had stuff happen as a child. So, um, having a healthier, maybe the word, I don't know if it's healthier, but having a, a, a more honest or healthier definition of that as we grow up can, can become our radar right from as it goes from like the subconscious to the conscious yeah i think that makes sense the way that i think about it is like i it's funny that you caught the thing of like healthier and like maybe that's not the thing to call it because i i think maybe what's more useful than something being healthier and unhealthy is just being clear on what we want mm -hmm. and making conscious decisions to try to create what we want. So when, when we're operating with our subconscious programming, the stuff that happened through childhood, we learn all these survival mechanisms mm -hmm. and life is happening by accident. You know, like when, when you're living life that way, I've lived a lot of my life that way. We're not making choices about what's happening. It's just happening by accident. But then mm -hmm. what, what I think most people want is to be living life on purpose where they're like, I, want a loving, grounded, fun, joyful relationship, how can I purposely and intentionally create that even if anxiety or chaos is my, is the version of love, safety, belonging I've experienced most of my life. Mm -hmm. So is that um, what you do with clients is kind of, um, I mean, it's that one of the things that you do is help them uh, guide them through that process. Yeah. Yeah, I think what I'm what I'm starting to see is that what I what I'm doing, what I really enjoy doing is helping people get what they want, which is a very simple thing. I mean, that's it, to mm -hmm. hear myself say that it sounds really simple. But what the, the for me, the beauty and the nuance in that is understanding what it means to want something, because um, like if I if I want a podcast with a million downloads a month. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't want a podcast with a million downloads a month. I want the feelings that I think I'll have access to when I have that. You right. What's I mean? underneath. So, exactly. What's like, what's the exactly. So helping people understand that what they want is actually about what they want to feel and helping them set their lives up to be able to feel as much as they would like to feel as possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, what resonates with me with that is, I always tell my clients to, um, instead of just see what you want and, uh, you know, I believe in what we see and what we visualize, but, uh, a lot of times we get to where we're going, not because it looks the way we see it in our head, but because the feeling is there and that's how we know that we're there. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of times, uh, it doesn't match the vision. I mean, I, uh, 
you know, I never thought I grew up in LA. I never thought I'd be living here up in Altadena. It's a little patch above Pasadena. Um, you know, raising, I'm almost 50 and I'm raising a two and a half year old. And, and mm -hmm. uh, like, I, my life doesn't look how I imagined it would look. And, um, but the feeling that I have in my body, um, in the last two or three years has, has been the most, um, calm, uh, the most, uh, knowing, uh, you know, it feels like the unfolding is, is truthful is like, uh, I feel like I've I've been here almost in a path, past life kind of thing. Mm. And so that's, that's how I, that's why I think um, I, I feel like this is where I'm meant to be and things aren't unfolding mm. as they should. Um, not because of uh, I'm tracing a vision, a very right. specific vision, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, what that sounds like to me is that you're in a place where there's a whole lot of groundedness and satisfaction. Well, yeah, a lot more than um, more. before. And of course, that doesn't mean that I'm continuing to build. I still want things, you know, like a 90s, 911, triple black, turbo, stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> I like cars and motorcycles. But I mean, there are things that I want. Like you just said, a million uh, a podcast that gets a million, whatever, you know, of mm -hmm. course, I've got goals. Um, but yeah, putting more weight on um, the feeling instead of uh, what's on the surface, I think is, mm -hmm. that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Gary V. Yes. Not personally. Yeah. I met him once actually, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know him personally. Yeah. I was, I, I, uh, I was on a, <laughs> a show called Planet of the Apps and he was one of the judges. That's amazing. Yeah. You were, you were presenting an app on there. <laughs> yeah. Years ago I had a partner. Um, it's now a, a life coaching company called Lumia, but before that it was called, um, uh, God, it changed the name changed so many times, but, uh, we were in an incubator and we, um, applied to pitch for the show and it was in front of Gary V. Uh, who's the person that owns honest company female was an actress. Mm, uh, I don't even know that company honest. Uh, she's like a billionaire now. Um, and, and, uh, uh, the person that owns goop, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then, and anyway, so. Uh, yeah, we got the pitch pitch in front of them, kind of like Shark, Shark Tank. And uh, he was a really cool guy. I, so we got to meet him and stuff. But anyway. That's ahead. awesome. Gary v. Really yeah. cool. So cool that you've been in that place doing that kind of work. So cool. Yeah. Um, I, yeah so I think that he has so many great things to offer. And one of, one of my favorite things that he's said or that I've heard him say is that he wants to buy the New York Jets. Right. So he grew up in New Jersey, <laughs> yeah. loves, it's like, yep. it's such a funny thing. Like the people who like the Jets and the people who like the Giants, so that's like a whole other thing. But yeah. he wants to buy the New York Jets. Now, what he says is that he doesn't care if he actually ends up buying the Jets or not. Right. Because he's aware of what he wants as a result of buying the jets. And he's aware that he can give that thing to himself right now in the process of becoming a person who wants to buy the jets. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. he's aware of the results of that, which are certain feelings. And he holds himself accountable to feeling those things in the process of pursuing his goals. And I, I just think that's a, such a beautiful way of experiencing life. It's like this paradox of being fully satisfied because I, 
I'm feeling the way that I want to right now. And I'm also not yet satisfied. I'm hungry to create these other things, mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. It's also really hard to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, maybe not. I mean, maybe for some people it isn't. Uh, I know for me um, to not get hooked, um, as they say in Buddhism, and to um, it, it's the same thing as almost like um, non-attachment, being happy, uh, finding life in your life, finding joy in what you have, uh, uh, you know, practicing gratitude, and at the same time wanting mm. more, you know, mm -hmm. not having a ceiling. Uh, mm -hmm. And that it's a it's a interesting dance. It's um, mm -hmm. it's hard to pedal that bike. Mm -hmm. I've, I've been meaning to put this poll up on my Instagram because I'm really curious to know what people would say, but I've been thinking about like, okay, if you had, if you had two options, if on the one hand, your option was to blow everything up and start from scratch, that's mm -hmm. one. The mm -hmm. other one is to just make the absolute best of what you have right now. What would you do? I'd be, I'm, I haven't done it yet, so I don't know what people say, but I am really curious. I'm curious what you would think. What when you say blow everything up and start from scratch, uh, what do you what do you get from that? What do you get in in return? Just a blank canvas? I guess so. I guess so, yeah. I don't and really what's, know. What's and the I'd other option? And the other option is to make the best of what you have right now. So uh, oh, maybe yeah. maybe a, an approachable way of thinking that might be like let's say like with a group of friends. It's like do you want to just like would you would you leave all of the friendships that you have access to right now mm -hmm. and start over, start fresh? Or would you make the best of the friendships that you have right now? Mm. I, you know, I think for me, it depends on if the, uh, whatever you're, uh, trying to build, whether it's a relationship or an, or an empire is, uh, salvageable, mm -hmm. if it's healthy, if it's, mm -hmm. uh, there are friendships that have expired that, um, I don't think people should invest in, um, you know, cause you're only 50% of that friendship. Uh, mm -hmm. that may be a waste of time, but I think that, uh, if, if it's, uh, salvageable, uh, if you can, um, rebuild, then there's, mm -hmm. um, there's growth in that journey. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of the, um, the hero's journey. This tattoo is the kind of, mm -hmm. uh, the design thing mm -hmm. of it. And, um, I try to lay that into everything. So whatever you're doing, that there's going to be um, a call to adventure. There's going to be mm -hmm. uh, the comfort to discomfort. There's going to be uh, opportunities to slay your dragons. And then for mm -hmm. you to return to the village changed, you know, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. that journey is the value you bring to the village because now you have a story and mm -hmm. that story, if shared, becomes bigger than you. Mm hmm. I, I think it's that. it's happened to all of us, you know. Um, I love whether that. Whether we're talking about Gary V and and how mm -hmm. his mom knitted him a jet sweater because they were so broke <laughs> and he didn't buy one, right? Which which was the imprint, right? And that yep. it started from that, I think, you know. Yep. And then what that means to him, and then him wanting to buy the jets, uh, and then he talks about how if he did, that sweater would be framed and at, at the entrance of the mm. <laughs> of the stadium, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, or the story you have uh, with your your father and your curiosity of movement and all that, and then and then for me, um, divorce and failed screenwriter, and then you know my rebirth, and then yeah, uh, uh, trying to work in in um, more honest, unconventional ways. And mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a journey in all of those things that I think are tied mm -hmm. to our story. 
Mm -hmm. I, um, I did, I did post this to an Instagram story recently, or I, I think I did a reel on this because I was, I was reading this book by this guy named Alex Hermosi, um, mm -hmm. who, who's like, uh, he's a guy who's making a lot of money and he talks about like sales and sales psychology and that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. I think he's really, really smart. Um, so I'm reading his book on how to design an offer. And in the first chapter, he's talking about how like, he, he, a guy who worked for him signed this deal. The guy was supposed to get paid a $22,000 commission. Alex Ramosi had $23,000 in his accounts, so like two nights before Christmas. And the, the company that they signed the deal with backs out last minute. And some, mm -hmm. for some reason, Alex Ramosi still has to pay his guy $22,000. So he pays him. He's got about a grand left in his account. So a grand wow. left to his name. And he takes a screenshot of it and he posts the screenshot in the book. And he says in there that he, he took the screenshot because he knew that he would be telling that story. So right. right. I thought that was really fascinating because that I actually, that really resonated with me. And I'm curious if that resonates with you. Anytime I've been through difficult things in my life. Um, and there have been some things that are like, I like, like most people, but like pretty severely difficult. Mm -hmm. I had an awareness that I would be using that story to serve other people. And yeah, some yeah. And I'm curious if that, if that was the case for you. 2010, um, getting traction on Tumblr, uh, broke, no money roommates, you know, no friends, just finding fitness. And, uh, um, I was helping someone via email. This is when, you know, webcams and video, that stuff wasn't really a thing. Uh, people were still on AOL. There was, you know, broadband wasn't, you know, wide. And so email was huge. And I remember spending a lot of time on this long email and uh, just helping her free. I mean, just I had, you know, I wanted to give back. And so after I helped her, uh, she PayPal'd me $20. And PayPal was new. Like I, it was new to like uh, the idea of transferring money from your mm. bank account electronically was mind blowing. And uh, I remember... I was crying and I took out because uh, there, were, there weren't uh, cameras on your phones then or a lot of them, they were flip phones. So I had this uh, uh, real camera and I put turned the video and I pointed it to my face and I was in tears. And wow. I said, um, I said, uh, uh, well, well, two things. One, uh, that someone found me valuable. Mm -hmm. Like this person, I didn't ask for it. She gave me $20 because she found my advice valuable. So that mm -hmm. meant a lot to me, right? So uh, that was one reason. Uh, one thing, one revelation. And then the other revelation was, holy shit, you can make money online. And that <laughs> blew my mind. It, 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 like the entrepreneur <laughs> in me went crazy. Because uh, then it's like, what else could I do? Um, you know, what what else can I do to actually make this um, more my life than punching a clock, right? I wanted to, I, I feel like I was punching the sky when I was at home typing and, tum and tumbling. Um, and I said into the camera, uh, when you don't make when you don't make it about you, the universe will. Mm. And I remember that. So that's my snapshot. That's my snapshot of, um, wow. Like what you're that's saying your, and of, it, of the thousand dollars in the, of the thousand dollars. Yeah. And it's, wow. it's a, you know, something that I keep in my back pocket, um, to always remember that if you don't make it about you, stars line up and things happen mm -hmm. and the, the, the universe will. And so, mm -hmm. um, that was an example of me not making it about me, 
by being um, very thorough and patient and giving with my time into someone's email. I can't do that today because I just don't have that kind of time. But, yeah. you know, I, I had that kind of time then. So I, I, I just gave my heart and I helped as much as I could. And then um, it wasn't the $20, obviously. It was the feeling. It was a feeling of feeling valuable. Yes. And then it was the revelation of, oh, shit, you can make money online. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was the first domino, man. And I remember that yeah. like, uh, like yesterday. Yeah. And, and what, I, what I hear in there, I kind of kind of like projecting my own experience out of that. It's like, holy fuck. The, the difficult things that I've been through are worth something. Like I can help other people using yeah. the, the insight that I've gained through going through hard stuff. If, if you're not, when you're in the trenches, just complaining, running and, you know, numbing, whatever, all the, cause then you don't see it. Right. But mm -hmm. I think there's gold. I think there's gold in the trenches. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think that. Uh, if you're able to um, notice these moments, uh, this you know the the snapshot of that guy that had a grand in the bank, or um, the experience I had, um, those are all kind of nods from the universe. Those are injected with mm -hmm. hope, uh, and then I think those moments um, they give you uh, fuel. They give you, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of like ninety-two octane of like, okay, mm -hmm. here's where I'm going now. Here's what I'm going to do. It's like. A, it, it feels spiritual almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. I I've been, I've been over the last couple of years, I have found that the, it, it all of this stuff, producing content, running mm -hmm. a business, it becomes so much easier and so much more rewarding when you make it about other people. When you, when you make it about listening to other people, yeah. like listening to people's language, what they're experiencing, sure. what they want. When I first started my business, I've been trying to make content over the last couple of days. I haven't been able to like capture this, but um, I, I really made it all about me. I, I remember when I was first like writing my website, trying to convince the world about how important mind, body connection and consciousness is. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, and I find that a lot of entrepreneurs do the same kind of thing where it's like seeing their modality as sacred, whereas the sacred thing is actually the audience's experience or it's the person's experience that you're helping and you're offering tools to support them and help them. At least for me personally, like I found that that model, not seeing what I have to offer and not seeing my perspective as necessarily sacred, but a tool that I'd like to help a person with has has made this experience so much more enjoyable and so much mm -hmm. more creative for me. I have so much more access to more material and information and perspectives. Yeah, you, you know, um, I I feel like I've made it about me most of my life. Um, and even today, of course, there are days that I make it about me. Of course, there are days mm -hmm. that, you know, um, how much is that sponsorship or that? Is it worth doing? My you know, there, there's a lot of me making it about me, of course. Um, but I do feel like, and I agree with you, um, if you feel like you're more of a, a conduit, that you are um, this being where uh, if you are in your solid self instead of more, more your pseudo, uh, meaning exchanging your 
truth for membership that's pseudo, mm -hmm. uh, inauthentic, seeking approval validation, um, chasing shiny things. That was all me, my 20s and 30s. But if you are more authentic or in your solid self, stand on your truth, I think you become a conduit. I think you become a prism. And I think that if you are um, brave enough to share your gifts and really lean into them and practice and hone, um, it's almost like this light comes in from your feet and out your head and a rainbow shoots out almost, you know? So mm -hmm. like um, you, the universe works through you. Uh, you go from being, you know, um, this ego driven person to this prison, the stone to this prison. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think magic happens there. And I think, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I felt, I, I felt stuff like that in my life before. Um, one example of this was um, during the pandemic, uh, I started uh, doing zoom groups and I brought a team together um, kind of like the single on purpose podcast, right. Rotating host. And we just started helping people um, and it grew and I called it the lab. And I thought like, you know, we're all stuck at home. Let's just use Zoom as a way to connect. And then all the instructors were teaching different topics, trauma, relationships, whatever. Um, and we helped thousands. And then, you know, I had to pay the instructors. So I was, it turned into a membership site um, and then an app and all that. And then there was a part of me that uh, was trying to scale it because naturally mm -hmm. that's like what the world is telling us, right? Mm -hmm. How can we scale this? Um, and it wasn't successful in that way. And then it hit me where I was like, that, this isn't meant to be scaled. Mm. This was um, the magic summer and mm. it was great. And, you know, and then I recently closed it because I was just doing other things. Um, but I felt a calmness that it wasn't meant to last longer than it, than it did. So mm. it, it ran for two years. We helped thousands. The instructors connected. Um, there's also people who actually, you know, form romantic relationships. It was amazing. I mean, mm. overall, it was, it was amazing. It was a bigger than me experience. And I remember when I closed it, I felt guilt. And I felt like uh, a small part of me felt like a failed, like a failed entrepreneur. Like mm. I, I, I couldn't, like I didn't, I wasn't able to scale it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I realized um, after that, because uh, that's all ego, I realized, oh, that's, that was what it was meant to be. Mm -hmm. nothing more nothing less i love that you call it the magic summer moment it makes it reminds what, me of it's, like. I, it's beautiful like it, it uh when i went to summer camp as a kid i always found that it was easier to fall in love at summer camp than yeah during there, the school there, year. there's something about summer camp what is i mean you're away from home you know different schools possibly yeah there's something about summer camp that is magical. I, th I think one of the magical things about it is that you know your time is limited. Mm, you know? Yeah. So knowing that your time is limited in some ways I think allows for a deeper dive into vulnerability and openness than sure. otherwise, right? If something is indefinite, then there's all this like creating all this noise with predictions about the future and projections and all that kind of stuff. So there's something, and as you're describing that, I'm like, wow, yeah, we do all have all these narratives as entrepreneurs, like the most successful companies are the, or the most successful business endeavors are the ones that are the most sustainable, the longest lasting ones. But like, what if sometimes something is just a year long or two years long? And that's right. exactly what it's meant to be. I right. love that. Right. Yeah. And, and I, um, you know, uh, it took a it took a while for me to even accept that and to sit with it and to believe it, you know, to 
to sit with it. But yeah, I do. I do believe that. Yeah. With, with projects and also with relationships, you know, not all relationships are meant to be forever. You know, I, I, I meant that, that when you were saying that earlier, I was like, wow, I, I'm really curious about this. The thing about salvageable, you're like, mm -hmm. if a relationship isn't salvageable, then like, let it be and, and create something new. What do you, I'm, what do you think are the best ways to know if something is salvageable or not? Yeah. So, um, one, if the person, uh, other person is going to hit the ball back. So, you know, mm -hmm. if you're in a relationship, friendship, uh, with a family member or, you know, uh, intimate uh, romantic relationship, if you're the only one that's trying to work on yourself or taking ownership, the other person is um, pointing fingers and is in denial. To me, that's mm -hmm. not salvageable. You know, it, mm -hmm. you're fit. It's 50, 50. And even if you were a hundred of your 50, that you're still another 50. Someone needs to, to mm -hmm. you know, and so, mm -hmm. um, I think the beginning of salvageable means two people on the same page, both willing to look inward and work toward the relationship. If that's mm -hmm. not there, then um, I don't know how one person is going to fix the whole relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, so you're, you're 50 years old, you said? Um, I'm 49. Watch, watch 49. your language, Flynn. I'll be 50 in April. So I don't know what that is less than half a year. I mean, you're, I mean, you look great for 50. You're they're Filters. so, that's lighting. <laughs> so that's cool for me to know about. Cause I have, I'm 32 and I have all these ideas about what makes for a successful and sustainable relationship, but mm -hmm. don't really have, uh, time as as something to speak to whether or not they actually work you know how so many how many I'm, relationships have you been in personally um five oh, i mean it okay. depends on how we're defining a relationship right like, right i mean you, you know, would define it Whatever yeah. relationship means, means okay. to you. So far, right. I'll do that. One, two, three. Yeah. Five. And uh, what were they as far as like length overall? A few years? The longest one was almost six years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the shortest that we're going with in the, in this thing is like one and a half years. Right. Um, what were some of your greatest revelations from those relationships? Okay. Probably the greatest, the, okay. The greatest revelation that I've ever had about my own experience of love. Um, I left, it was, it was this kind of interesting time. It was in the fall. I had just committed to leaving my job as a school counselor. So running my private practice full time. Um, and had just left this relationship that I had been in for almost two years. And I took, a, I took some mushrooms and went on a long walk. Mm -hmm. um, and this was, I was living in Philly at the time. And I, I realized that what I had been doing for many of my, for, for most of my relationships was seeing a quality, seeing a quality in a person that I thought that I couldn't replicate that I needed to have in my life. Mm. And sometimes those qualities were like 
being organized with Excel sheets and being financially literate, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I'd recognize a quality in a person. Now, I also realized that there is something about the relationship dynamic where I wasn't allowed to be as expansive as I would have liked to be. I, hmm. The relationship dynamic didn't ex support me being as expansive as I would have liked. However, I was attached to this person being something that I needed them to be. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is make myself small in order to make them comfortable in order to, because I thought that that was the best strategy to kind mm. of change them into who I needed them to be. Right. Um, so needing and of them course, to be all of something. This happening, all of this happening underneath and you looking back and having the, these revelations, because when we're in relationships, we don't, we don't really, I mean, I guess you can through couples therapy and stuff, but um, a lot of it is underneath. Uh, we have to unearth it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. And I, like, I would say I was vaguely aware of it during, but it was really in retrospect where I was like, wow, I was miserable in this experience, miserable. Mm. And like mm. every day convincing myself, like how, like, you know, you know, some things are just like this, some things you got to just commit to, like, mm -hmm. you know, operating with all those kinds of narratives to keep me in it. Um, but yeah, after the fact, realized like, wow, I, I was investing energy into like blaming this other person, but really I was just choosing to be smaller. I was choosing to make myself small and it made sense to be in that relationship because then I didn't have to deal with the fear of what life might look like if I actually mm -hmm. committed to my expansiveness. So once I got hit with that realization, I, I was able to make a choice. I was like, okay, I'm never going to do that again. I'm only going to invest in, in, in expansiveness. Mm. I love that word expansiveness. Um, I, I tend to bring things to street level uh, just because in my own head, if I don't simplify, I don't understand. And so um, sometimes I'll break things down to, uh, is it constricting you or expanding you? Is it constricting mm -hmm. you or expanding you? And how much, if it's constricting you, how much of that constriction is on you, not the other person mm -hmm. or the relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I also like that you said the relationship dynamic instead of her or him. You know, like, mm -hmm. I like that you mm -hmm. said, because the relationship dynamic is created by both, right? And there's, uh, mm -hmm. um, there's tracks laid in every relationship. And so uh, yeah. I think we're very fast to blame but you're saying the dynamic was stunting. And uh, I, I think that's important yeah. language. Yeah. So yeah. let me ask you this. Are because, you, oh, sorry, go ahead. I going to say like, you know, what I've, what I've come to be able to see, which I, I like this perspective is that people show you exactly who they are. People show mm -hmm. you who they are in their patterns. I think a lot of the times we spend, we spend our energy in relationships wanting it to be different than what it is mm -hmm. and then blaming the other person for not being the way that we want it to be when they're just being themselves. So the way that I see it now is like any person that I'm with where I, I was contracted and not as expansive as expansive I was like, as I would like, that's not, it doesn't say anything bad about them. 
they are who they are and the dynamic right. is what it is. Ultimately, right. if I'm going to take the most accountable position, the thing that I can say is that I'm choosing to be contracted and mm -hmm. I would prefer to choose to be expansive. Yeah, I love that. I also love that um, we're just two dudes speaking this way, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it's, part, it's actually part of why my hunch on you and it is correct. Um, I felt in my body like, hey, reach out to this guy. Um, this is this is good uh, because I think it's important for men, especially today, um, to be having these conversations and not just be talking about, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, cars and, you know, getting laid and, and whatever. Right. Like uh, uh, just <laughs> locker room stuff. So um, mm -hmm. I think that is that is refreshing. Um, men talking about love and relationships. Yeah. So are you single today or are you dating? What are you doing? I'm in, I'm in a relationship with someone, her name is Emily. Um, mm. and we've been, I say that we've been dating since February, which she laughs at because really we've been dating since April. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I knew immediately in February that I wanted to be in a relationship with this person. Like when we were first seeing each other and dating. Um, so we've known each other since January, February, um, and haven't had and have been together only since April. Got it. And um, how is this love experience? I mean, I'm assuming your it's, definition of love is, is different today than it was, you know, in your twenties. Yeah, it's I'm I'm so I really appreciate you asking about this. Um, it is more satisfying than mm. I ever thought that an experience of love could be. Why? I want to know why <laughs> the yeah. listeners want to know why. I mean, I'm happy for you. That's great. But we all yeah. want to know why <laughs> some of us well, aren't happy for you. Some of us are like, fuck you, man. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So going back, I, I think secretly a lot of people don't want therapists to have successful relationships because it kind of kicks them off their uh, soapbox, which I, you know, <laughs> yeah, which I don't want to be on that. anyway, but anyway, I get that. I get that. So two, about two years ago, I made a commitment to, all right, I'll tell, I'll tell kind of a funny story. So I'm in a relationship with a person at the time about two years ago, a little longer, and I'm still living in Philly. Now, at the time I had been, I had through, through my life had been the type of person who struggled to bring different groups of friends together. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was kind of different people with different groups of people. I would be like uh, tending to what I thought other people needed. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was in a relationship with the person where that was very much the, the case, which was part of the contraction. Like I, I had fun with her. We, it was, it was a fun, good relationship in some ways, but also I was a very specific version of myself with her. And so my sister, my younger sister, who I like, she's, she's my best friend and mm. I'm, I'm my favorite version of myself with her. Yeah. My sister Abby came to visit and we all had dinner at my place in Philly and it was a horrendous time when the person who I was with at the time, she left to go home. Abby started crying mm. because she like, it didn't feel good for her. And she didn't like the idea of 
spending years and years with having to like not have the version of me that she liked the most, right. which is also the version of me that I liked the most. So after that, that was sort of the final straw and I ended the relationship. And then I decided that I'm, I'm never going to enter a relationship again where I feel contraction. I'm, I'm yeah. only, I'm going to use the expansiveness as my compass and only invest my energy in relationships where I experience that expansiveness. So after about a year and a half of living that way, making choices about my relationships, making choices about what I do, where I live, using expansiveness as my compass, I, I think I just sort of ended up in a place where it made sense to meet a person mm -hmm. where expansiveness happened. So. That's the overarching story. And then I'm also, I'm sure there are a lot of details in there that would be helpful for people to hear about, but, but the overarching thing is this like sort of ruthless commitment to expansiveness. The collision of both of you creates expansiveness in you and you like the person that you are, uh, that, that, that is promoted and encouraged when you're around this person. And that's, that's why. This is good for you. It seems, seems Beautif like. beautifully said. She, yeah. she wants, if, if what, a, if, if we can think of a person as like a, as a sphere or a globe, and mm -hmm. there are all these different areas in that sphere and we can grow that sphere, make it more complex, more beautiful. Like she wants me to be the most beautiful, complex sphere. She wants oh, all of sweet. me. Yeah. And I want the same for her. I want her to be exactly who she wants to be. And so the right. relationship dynamic is able to support each of us being exactly who we want to be. Yeah, it's um, it interdependence. It's um, interdependence. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. <clears throat> I love it. I love it, man. Thank you for uh, sharing that story and also delivering it in that way. I think one of um, your unique gifts is. Uh, um, the, um, it, I feel from you curiosity. I feel from you, uh, someone who, um, is neutral on, you know, which is hard to do. Right. So, uh, um, looking at all sides and then, um, careful with your words, which I am not. <laughs> so I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate all those things. Um, what are some of the things that you are going to do or want to do? Um, as a rotating host um, on this podcast. And even though it's called Single on Purpose, uh, and, and of course, this whole thing started um, when I realized that a lot of clients that I was seeing, uh, mostly women in their 30s, uh, just depressed. Every other area of their life was great, but because they were single, uh, you know, they felt the ticking clock and they just, um, it just really crushed them, you know, and um, having a horrible experience with singlehood. So, mm -hmm. um, that that's how this whole thing happened uh, as far as turning it into a book and then now this but what are some of the things that uh uh, uh you're thinking about doing for not just singles but anyone who wants to connect to themselves it's a great question something what what i'm really fired up about is usefulness so mm. i really really i'm very careful to be presenting information in a way I, I try to make things useful. I try to, right. I try, like, cause we all, I think that most people know most of the advice that they could be given. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what, what I, what I'd really like to offer people 
is how to take that advice and turn it into action. That's, yeah. that's something that really in, uh, inspires me and fires me up. So um, action orientation, so mm-hmm. what, what can we do to get more of the things that we want? And I, what I'm really excited to offer the world is this understanding that what we want we don't get what we want until we realize that what we want is available right now and start mm-hmm. practicing in as many moments as possible of experiencing what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I, th- what I've seen is that when people start to live that way, a really simple example would be like, so if what we want is a feeling, right. And you're pouring tea, you could have a whole bunch of different experiences pouring tea. You could, you could conch, you could say you want to pour tea because it's going to be soothing, but you go into pouring tea and actually it's an experience that's frustrating and chaotic because mm-hmm. you're pushing the process, mm-hmm. right? So really simple example would be like, okay, so what would it look like to do this thing in a calm way? What's it look like to do soothing? And I think that if a person is making a choice about the experience they want to have in as many moments as possible, that person is a person who's likely to get the three dimensional things that they want. Like for you, it's a certain car, podcast downloads, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I'd really like to teach people how to do that, how to understand that what they want is actually available right now. And they likely won't get what they want until they learn that what they want is available right now. Mm. Yeah, you know, um, what comes to my mind is most people not believing what they want is available. I think, uh, mm-hmm. and, and me included, I think it's out there. And mm-hmm. so getting to the place of um, actually believing that you can have that in itself is a journey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just getting to believe mm-hmm. that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I love it. Uh, well, thank you so much for being a part of this collective. And uh I'm excited to to uh, hear hear you and um and and whatever you're gonna do on this podcast. This space is yours, and you can do whatever you want with it. Uh, share your story, uh, do whatever you know. And so, um, I think it's gonna help so many people. Thank you. I'm I'm yeah. really really appreciate you inviting me on and and us having this chat. I've loved getting to know you. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thanks, brother. I really appreciate it. And then uh, also thanks for all the the work that you do. Uh, where can people find you? On Instagram, I'm at Flynn Skidmore, F-L-Y-N-N-S-K-I-D-M-O-R. Is that your uh, main, as far as social media, is that your main place? I Yeah, that and TikTok. I'm, I'm way more engaged on Instagram. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, I invest a lot of energy into developing community on Instagram. So I'm sure. engaged in the comments and all that. Right, so right. That's, that's where the magic is happening. Yeah, so. <laughs> which I do <laughs> no, none of, which I need to. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then what, um, what are you building? So like if someone wants to, um, check out your services, uh, what is it that you offer? So what I'm, I'm leaning into the space of something called impact mentorship. Mm -hmm. I'm finding that a lot of entrepreneurs, um, who have been pretty successful have found that in their success, they're not having the impact that they were hoping that they would make. Mm -hmm. In terms of impact, we're talking about like making a shift in culture 
So what I'm, what I've been really inspired by lately is, um, helping people get what they want in relationships and in business and learning how to become someone who's impactful and influential. Mm. So that's my one-on-one work. What I'm, what I'm focused on right now. Um, I'm just finishing up something called the client attraction container, which is, Mm -hmm. um, it's been so fun. It's this, it's, uh, a four module series. Each module is two months long. So we're, we're just finishing up the first two months. Um, and really what it's about is, is about helping people build communities around them, um, by creating great content and building their business as a result. Cool. That's yeah. relevant. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Flynn, thank you so much. And Hey, final question. What should we call this episode? Um, as you rewind, uh, like a montage or a flashback, this whole thing, uh, and it's just skipping around some of the conversations that uh, we had, what would you call this episode? I'm actually going to type it into this. thing. Uh-huh. You say There's something about like summer, summer magic. What was the thing that you said? <laughs> what was your magic. word? Summer camp, summer camp <laughs> magic, summer camp magic. Summer camp magic. Yeah. Oh, you want to go really abstract. All right. I'm going to call it, uh, I'm going to call it summer camp magic. I love that. We'll see how that goes. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening, everyone, and uh, be well. Have a great night. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you could just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our single on purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, Zoom links to private gathers. So if you want to join our community, go to singleonpurpose.life. Thank you for listening. Be well. We hope you tell a friend. Hey, so my name is Katie and I live in London. I broke up with my boyfriend of um, two and a half years, about a year ago, when I went through another mental health crisis and found myself becoming too dependent um, on my partner. Um, I was really in a dark place and I couldn't see when the tables would be able to turn and I'd be in a place where I could support him again. And I felt like I was being absolutely rubbish at everything. And so I thought taking out being a bad girlfriend from the equation would give me some peace. But we were also at a crossroads. We hadn't, we'd spent every weekend together during COVID, but hadn't made the move to move in because of different locations across London. Um, and he continued to work in South East London when I lived with my children, North London in the weeks and they went to their dads at weekends. Um, but we got, you know, two and a half years in thinking about getting serious. He would like, he ideally would have liked to have a child. I was going further and further away from that idea. Um, and I also realized that we both suffered mental health and we both accommodated each other's mental health. But it got to a crux where my own trauma um, brought about how he hadn't dealt with his trauma. And so I decided it was time to make a break 
and I completely cut contact with him, not to be harsh, but so that we could heal without any complexity or, um, you know, any difficulty about a grey area of a friendship after what was really, you know, at the time, a very loving relationship and supportive for the time that we were together. But I realised also that I had just stumbled from one relationship to another, to another, to another, and realised that I was both anxiously attached to everyone I'd been with and um, had that um, tendency to be codependent and feel needed all the time and have someone that I could rely on as well. So I committed to myself to stay single. I downloaded Audible and listened to The Angry Therapists. Thank you. Your um, Oh gosh, I can't remember what it's called, but the one about being single. Um, and it really helped me. I really resonated with your story and parts of it. Um, but I have really, really enjoyed over this last year getting to know myself and being comfortable with myself and enjoying my own time and protecting that. Um, and I've gone through like that, that breakup thing of not being able to listen to love songs without feeling like I'll never feel that way again. And I used to feel like that. And then just one day realizing I was listening to those songs again and just being happy for those who were in that situation. Um, to then just not even having dating on my radar. When I first was out of the relationship, I actually was listening to a lot of your TikToks, your short videos and other um, influences on relationships as well. Um, I can't think of their names right now, but it just really helped me to process kind of the mistakes I'd made, um, how my priorities weren't right, how I wasn't being somebody that I would like to date and how also I became more consumed with the relationship. Um, in so much so that I didn't have interests that were just for me and I wasn't the person that people fell in love with when they fell for me because I just became all about the relationship. Um, and so I've just re spent this year reconnecting to the things that I enjoy, um, building myself up, volunteering, um, and it's got me this week a paid role working within mental health and doing peer support work that really, really resonates with who I am, with my story. I haven't had to hide my story to employers. I'm actually using my lived experience and focusing on my career and my children and my house and um, just having a peace that um, love will find me when it's meant to and when life is settled for me and I know how someone can fit in. Obviously, I will compromise as well and some of the issue with my ex-boyfriend was I didn't feel he was compromising enough for me as a single parent and sacrificing enough. And I realised that it was his possibly undiagnosed PTSD and trauma that was getting in the way of how much he could compromise and give. And there were parts of him as well that he would not let me into. And I had laid my soul bare through my crisis. You know, I'd hit a complete rock bottom and been completely open with him. And I didn't feel that he was giving me that too. So I became very aware of trauma bonds, um, you know, and so many red flags. I'd been in a controlling, coercive, abusive relationship previously. 
um, and realised that my dating after that was just a completely unhealthy coping mechanism for me to distract myself and just constantly have somebody like I got I became addicted to attention and I realized like if I want attention from men I can go on the internet and I can get that straight away even if I want sex from men I could go and I could find that really easily but that is not fulfilling and it ultimately led me to have lower self-esteem whereas now I've found a life where I'm building up my self-esteem, I'm building up myself, I'm reading books that I just enjoy for fun, that I didn't have the brain power for before because I was just chasing other people. So yeah, that's my that's my singlehood story and I, I'd be quite happy if it is for years to come. My children are 10 years old and 8 years old and I share care with my ex um, and we're very amicable with that. Um, but I have to put them first and um, and find somebody who will kind of fit in with my antisocial hours <laughs> of, of both work and caring for my children. And I'm happy to do that, um, you know, over a longer period of time if it's going to last forever. Um, so, yeah, that's my story. Um, I hope you enjoy hearing it and many others. Um, and yeah, and I'd be interested to see what you're going to do with these stories. <laughs> So I hope that's been helpful and succinct enough. I have a tendency to waffle. So I'll end this now. So thank you to you and your wife for your your content. Um, you know, I've read one of your books. Um interested to read more. And um, thank you for sharing some of your journey and your stories with, with uh, me and others because it's really helped me in finding myself too. Thanks. <laughs>